Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel according to John, chapter 16, verses 5 through 15, and Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we are continuing today in our God is Able sermon series. And you might be asking, God is able to do what? Well, Ephesians 3.20 reminds us that God is able to do abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so the question I invite you to think about today is what are you asking of God? What are you imagining right now? Now, I'll guess that some of us are simply wondering when we might be able to go get our hair or our nails done, when we might be able to return to our favorite restaurant or our favorite spot of entertainment. But I wonder if God is hoping, desiring, that we are asking bigger questions of God during this time of disruption. Now, God has certainly gotten our attention, hasn't he? All of us have had our lives disrupted in some way. And many of us right now are simply in a holding pattern. We're waiting on the medical and the scientific community. We're waiting for the powers at hand to simply let us know what our next collective right and safe step should be. And all of that is well and good. But are you asking from God more than you can possibly imagine? Are you imagining God's dreams? Because truth be told, some of our former rhythms weren't really healthy, were they? And some of the ways that we were using our time were quite frenetic and exhausting. And some of the routines that we have gotten into perhaps 
have grown, grown stale. And a lot of what we were doing perhaps wasn't glorifying God to begin with. God is able to do abundantly, overwhelmingly, exceedingly more than we could ever ask or imagine. And while that might seem like a cute motivational saying, maybe something to put on a bumper sticker or or your fridge, the truth is that this passage contains some deep and wide theological and gospel truths. Truths that disciples and the church throughout all of history has had to be reminded of from time to time. Ephesians 3.20 goes on to say this, to God be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations. To God be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ. This is the only passage in all of the New Testament where praise is offered up to both Jesus Christ and the church. The church is that important in God's plans and purposes. And you, therefore, as a member of the church of Jesus Christ, are that important in God's plans and God's purposes. And this passage really got me to thinking this week, as we're in day like 5,300,000 of COVID-19 stay-at-home reality. It might be, it got me to thinking that we might simply be asking, when is this going to end? And when can we do those things that we miss doing? When really, perhaps, the question should be, God, what is your wild, amazing dream for your church? What is that dream that we can't even imagine that is exceedingly better and far more than we can think of? And God, can you help give that vision to us? And then give us the courage and the discernment to walk it out into reality. Maybe that's the question that we could be asking. Now, our gospel lesson today from the gospel of John chapter 16, verses 5 to 15, is a really important passage. This passage occurs before Jesus' betrayal and arrest and crucifixion. And we witness Jesus in this passage trying to prepare his disciples for life without him. But what we see in this passage is not simply Jesus telling his disciples that he is going to be leaving. We see Jesus telling his disciples that he has to leave. That, in fact, he must depart them if they are to receive the advocate the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is to come, then first Jesus must leave. He must depart them. And Jesus tells them that it is to their advantage that he goes away. Now I want you to think about this as a mathematical expression. Maybe you didn't get enough homeschooling this week in your house. But think about it like this. Jesus is not saying in this passage that one Jesus plus one Holy Spirit equals two. Instead, he's saying that minus one Jesus in the flesh plus one God in the Spirit 
is far greater than anything we could ever ask or imagine. Jesus is trying to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, the truth of God that God will place in our hearts and our minds, the truth that will guide and lead and convict and show us the way throughout all times. Now, of course, the disciples did not know what to make of Jesus' teaching. They didn't know what that could possibly mean. And the sad truth, I think, is that the same can be said about disciples and the church throughout most of history. We do not know what to make of the power of the Holy Spirit. And the disciples, when they were hearing Jesus, likely could only hear and comprehend what they would be losing or who they would be losing in this case. They likely only focused on what they didn't have or wouldn't have rather than seeing the truth that Jesus was trying to reveal to them about all that they would gain if he first goes away. What a timely passage for this week, thinking about what we have lost rather than what we have yet to gain through the power of the Spirit. How much time and energy have we spent over the past five to six weeks thinking about the things that we have been called to give up, those things that we had to lose even during this season? And I wonder if we're spending too much time looking over our shoulder, looking at what has been in the past and what is not right now, rather than looking to God and looking to the things yet to come for us and for the church. John 16 gives us some really practical and timely messages. And of course, they're often paradoxical in nature, but nonetheless, they are gospel truths. The first thing that we see here in this passage is that there is a winning that happens only in losing. We learn that Jesus in the flesh has to go away, that the disciples have to witness their beloved teacher, their Lord, their master, be abused and beaten and humiliated and crucified. And Jesus says that it's only through that loss that they are able to gain something to their advantage, direct access to the Holy Spirit. And so I wonder... What might we have to lose? What might God be inviting us to lose so that God and the church can gain? The second thing we learn in this passage, that there is an immense grief that also comes with an immense gift. The disciples must grieve the loss of Jesus And that grief is deep and profound, and it's personal. They must grieve the loss of Jesus walking beside them, Jesus in the flesh, so that they can receive the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit poured out among them and within them and through them. The grief and the gift are bound up together. And so... Many of us 
are grieving the loss of something during this season. And some of us are grieving the loss of someone. And I'm wondering that in our grief, in the season of disruption, is there also a gift that God has for us to claim? And is it possible, like the disciples, that we can access both the grief and the gift that God has to offer? And the third thing we can learn from this passage is that whenever the Holy Spirit shows up, whenever the Holy Spirit is at work, there is likely to be both confusion and power. It is our human nature to want things to be black and white or linear or otherwise rational. And yet the Holy Spirit poured out is anything but. The poured out Holy Spirit is irrationally radical on purpose so that God is able to display God's immense power and our immense connectivity to God and to one another. God is able to do exceedingly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Are you asking too small and too little of things from our great God during this season? Because brothers and sisters, we have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in and through us in our lives and in the life of our church. And it is with that promise and that power that I believe God wants us to live completely abandoned to God's will and God's hope and God's purposes and God's plan. Yes, that means that we might have to lose things. We might have to lose some of the ways that things have been done in the past. And it means that we will experience grief, a very real grief that comes with our loss. And it means that there will be confusion, immense confusion, as the Holy Spirit is at work among us, showing us the way forward. However, the gains that we make through those losses will always be greater. We will be gaining in Christ and gaining in the power of the Holy Spirit in the church. Now, when our family set out to adopt several years ago, we had initially planned to adopt one child. Yet somewhere in the process, God began poking and prodding and otherwise disrupting and questioning our fair and completely rational plan. See, our plans were relatively safe. We could fit them in a neat box if we had to, and they made sense to us and to people around us. But when we realized that God's plans were far bigger than the plans that we had made, they no longer made sense. They weren't rational, and they certainly didn't fit into a neat little box. Not one person would have questioned us had we decided to stick with our plans to simply adopt one child and become a family of five. Not one person would have thought we were crazy. And yet many people likely thought we were crazy when instead of following our neat and safe plans, we decided to listen to God's prompting and follow God's leading. And instead of adopting one child, adopt three. And we grew our family from a family of four to a family of seven in just 
under 18 months. And yes, we lost some things in that process. Not the least of those are sanity. Fred lost some hair. I lost some worldly peace. There was a lot of grief. There was a lot of confusion. And if I'm being honest, there still is at times. We lost the ability to fly anywhere as a family. We lost the ability to save for college. And yet, in all of those losings, what we've gained was far more. We gained a gritty faith. We gained a beautiful family. We gained front row seats to be able to witness God working redemptive miracles in the lives of God's children. I witnessed God moving mountains. And I gained a new and I believe better understanding of God and community and the church. God is able. God is able. But it certainly helps if we are willing. You see, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 isn't about me. It's not about one individual disciple. It's not about one person's personal faith. It's about the hope and the plans for the church as a whole. God is able to do exceedingly more than we could ever ask or imagine. And right now, we might not have access to our gyms. We might not have access to our favorite restaurants or places of entertainment. We might not have access to our workspaces even. Heck, we don't even have access to our sanctuary where we can gather together and worship our God. But each and every one of us, through what God in Christ has accomplished on the cross, through the power of the Holy Spirit poured out, each and every one of us has access to God in our lives. A God who can do exceedingly more, abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. A God who promises to never leave or abandon us. A God who promises to be with us through all of our days. What are you asking or imagining from our great God? Are you willing to dream big, to imagine big, and to trust that God is able to do exceedingly more than even our biggest dreams? Pray with me, please. Holy and loving God, God, we thank you, Lord, for your promises. God, we thank you uh, for the hope that you have given us. God, we thank you for meeting us where we are and for promising us that we will never be alone. God, I pray that you help us to dream and to vision and to ask for things far greater than we could ever imagine and to trust that you are the God who is able. Be with us, Lord, as your church, as your disciples. Help us to see your vision and help us to have the courage and discernment and wisdom that we need to take that vision and to speak it and to birth it into reality for your glory and for all generations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.